Well, special welcome to the Bereans. Thank you guys for coming in and joining us. And uh, that was a treat, wasn't it? Uh, <clears throat> you know, we we came from a church. I wanted to remind you of a verse. I think about this with every mission trip. <clears throat> it's at the end of Acts, and it this is like at the end of Paul and Barnabas's. It's either their first or or second mission trip. It says that, uh, And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that the Lord had done with them and how He had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And so that's basically what Jim did with us this morning. He rehearsed all that God did with them and uh, God is opening a door to the Gentiles at a place where it seems like the door's kind of closed there, isn't it? And so, uh, anyway, I thought this was a good time. Uh, very necessary to uh, share these updates, amen? And so we don't want to... We, we encourage people to go on mission trips, and I know some of you are getting ready to go to Monmouth at the end of November, and I think Pastor Randy has one or two lined up even for next year. And uh, and I'm praying about going on one of them, so we'll hear more about that in the future. <clears throat> but uh, does everybody get a handout that wants one? So, good. Pam Jackson, you have a red shirt. Why is yours red and everybody's is blue? Well, because it we had free choice. Okay. And... Uh, I thought you were like that matched. Is that enough? Yeah, yeah. I thought you were special in some way. Find some red shirts out there. I was pretty intimidated when I saw the blue, and then I saw red. I thought, hey. But Terry red, isn't he? Yeah. Well, let's uh, be turning in our Bibles to Jeremiah twenty-four. We uh, we started at the beginning of this year in the book of Jeremiah, and we we feel like Jeremiah is not unlike our day to day. Just he is uh, noted as the weeping prophet. He was a patriot of Israel, and he was just uh, heartbroken over the apostasy that his nation was in. And uh, he is prophesying that they are soon to go into captivity. <clears throat> and so he has prophesied the destruction and downfall of their nation. And he is saying that uh, they need to go to captivity. And he uh, has uh, many false prophets that are saying, no, we need to stay here and we need to fight the Babylonians. And uh, God is with us. And he's saying, no. You know, God has left the building, so to speak, and and we need to go to captivity. And so today, he gives us this prophecy of these uh, two baskets of figs. And uh, I didn't know what a fig looked like, so I looked it up. <clears throat> and maybe you already knew that. And I think some preacher maybe put this on here, but that's supposedly uh, on our left, a, a basket of good figs. And the ones on the right look pretty rotten, don't they? They don't look like you would dip in there and they're black and kind of busted open. And Anyway, I don't 
they're supposed to look like the evil figs, Ange. Is what they're supposed to look like. Well, we'll hey, don't steal my thunder. I've got that in here. I've got that in here. So let's. Uh, if somebody would read the first three verses of Jeremiah 24, and we'll get started. The Lord showed me, and behold, two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord. After that. Yep, Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, okay. That's him. King of Babylon had carried away captive Jeconiah. Yep, and Jehoiakim. Okay, king of Judah. And the princes of Judah, carpenters and smiths from Jerusalem, and had brought them to Babylon. One basket had very good figs, even like the figs that are first ripe. And the other basket had very naughty figs, which could not be eaten. They were so bad. Then said the Lord unto me, What seest thou, Jeremiah? And I said, Figs, the good figs, very good, and the evil, very evil, that cannot be eaten. They are so evil. Thank you. Catherine, appreciate that. So these two baskets of figs, and he has uh, just said that that Nebuchadnezzar had carried away this captive of Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim. And uh, I put some dates on here. These are like... this is like a 19-year period that King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon, it's about an 800-mile journey uh, from Babylon to Jerusalem. But So Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, they're, they're encamped. It's called a besiege. They have besieged the city. And they're starving them out. Uh, there's, there's a famine. <clears throat> and... Uh, they took some people captive around the first time when they come. And do you know who who might be associated? Uh, who who was carried away to Babylon? A real famous person in our Bible. Daniel. It was Daniel, and so it was around this time. Uh, I don't have you know solid dates necessarily for when but so we call that a deportation or they're going into exile and so Daniel and his friends and some key people were taken captive by the Babylonians and taken into uh, Ur of the Chaldees that's uh, the plains of Shinar these are all synonymous with Babylon and uh, they were you know, trying to indoctrinate them to learn the language, to learn the customs, and they they were filled with wisdom and knowledge, and uh, so we we know uh, how Daniel reacted as a good uh, representative of the Lord in a foreign land, <clears throat> and uh, so uh, what what I think is, uh, and and th- this is what we're talking about today is more this this time leading up th- this last. Who do you think might have been the last people that were deported? And uh, uh, it, it was Zedekiah. He was the last king. I may misspell that, but he was the last king of Judah. And uh, and I'll talk about the middle one here in just a minute. But 
Uh, I wanted to talk about just the the figs for a minute here in this first section on your handout. Uh, they they took uh, these the king of Judah, this Coniah, Jeconiah. They took captive. That was a couple chapters ago. We saw that, <clears throat> and uh, some of the princes. One thing I read this week is they felt like uh, the Babylon was not. Uh, didn't have a lot of good skilled labor and they think that maybe that's why they took these carpenters and smiths around this time. I I think that's what we're talking about today in Jeremiah 24 is kind of this middle deportation and uh, so they'd already taken Jeconiah and they were taking some of these carpenters and smiths because I guess maybe the Babylons lack those skills. Uh, Who knows? But anyway, it mentions it here in what uh, Catherine read. And uh, but he talks about these figs, and and God has given him this comparison of the people that are left. Are some of them are like these good figs, and some of them are like these evil. And the good ones are very good, and uh, they're they're beneficial, they're fruitful, they're sweet, they're very good. But the evil, they are very evil, and he's going to make an application to that. <clears throat> and. Uh, in the Bible, the nation of Israel is like unto these three types of trees, and one is the vine tree. You, you remember Jesus himself said, I am the vine and ye are the branches. And the vine is uh, very significant with the grapes. Uh, we know at the, at the Lord's Supper, uh, he, he said, you know, this is the blood of the New Testament. You know, take and drink it. And so there's a lot of things connecting the vine tree to Israel. And uh, my source here is Clarence Larkin. We, we've, most of us have heard of him. He wrote a book uh, called Dispensational Truth. He, he wrote a couple of others. And so this is where I got these. That He says that the vine represents uh, Israel's spiritual privileges. And the fig tree, he says, represents their national privileges. So the word national goes in your blank there if you want to fill in your blanks. The fig tree is a symbol of Israel's national privileges. And uh, I think you'll see that even, uh, we're going to look at a couple verses here. And then he says the olive tree is a symbol of Israel's religious privileges. So spiritual, national, and religious. These these three trees, the olive tree, I think that uh, even on a lot of... Uh, with the... the, uh, with the uh, on their... I think I actually had a picture of that. Let me see if I've got a picture of it for you. Trying to think how to get out of this. The menorah. That's kind of. The, I thought they had an olive tree. I don't know what those uh, branches are around the side there. Maybe. Anyway, let me look at this other picture here again. I, I had a couple pictures of the olive. Maybe it'd be laurel, or I mean, uh, what is a bay leaf? Bay. Bay. 
I'm not sure. Uh, olive trees run their money, maybe? Maybe so. Yeah. Well, I know it's in some of their stuff with the the dove carrying the olive tree, the olive branch. It's a symbol of peace. And uh, so, anyway, this is a little closer up picture of the fig, and there's the inside of it. And uh, it was saying how that there the fig is very common over there, and uh, when birds eat the fruit, uh, you know, this sounds a little bit gross, but uh, they'll eat the seeds and as they fly around they might poop it out and it'll plant a seed somewhere else and that's how the fig trees spread <clears throat> I missed it there and then I was going to show you one Angie of um, dried the dried yeah I'm trying to go too fast here aren't I the foundation pictures uh, yeah, here's some of the dried fruit. I don't know if you can see that very good. It looks like they cut some of the middle of it out, but there's some of the dried figs. Because I guess this fruit doesn't keep very long. If you don't eat it fresh within a few days, it spoils. So they they dry it, and this way they can transport it. In Guatemala, uh, they mainly make candy. They make candy figs. Ah. Uh. So that, that keeps them on time. Okay. Like eat them real fast. But anyway, it's, it's like you're saying, the fresh figs don't last very long. Okay. So you've had them before. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, I'll show you another picture too in a minute. Uh, look, look at your teaching point I gave you on this. Uh, th- th- it's a little bit of a side point, but... Uh, Clarence Larkin said this I thought was really good it says the peculiarity of the fig tree is that the blossoms of the fruit appear before the leaves so the word before goes in your blank and so it seemed like around here you would see leaves on a tomato vine before the fruit comes out or even on trees it leaves out and then maybe later there's an acorn but with the fig tree it'll put forth some kind of fruit first and then the leaves and uh, so now, now let's turn to these two references here the Matthew 21 as we're trying to understand uh, what Jeremiah is saying here go to Matthew 21 because here I'm going to look at two places here in the New Testament that talks about the fig tree and I believe this Matthew 21 verse 18 is where Jesus cursed the fig tree and uh, many people probably don't look at this miracle quite like I do to me this is really an amazing miracle that Jesus curses a fig tree and and it withers and it, it shouldn't surprise us that he can do that but it I really um, think of this like his word made the change in this plant just by speaking it and I can just try to imagine how the nutrients go out of it and it withers but in 2118 the Bible says now in the morning as he returned into the city he hungered and when he saw a fig tree in the way he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only 
and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? And did you see there, it says there was leaves only on it, but no fruit. And so it was like not the normal thing for a fig tree to have leaves and no fruit because he was hungry. And so the what he was doing is illustrating that Israel had leaves on it that the the nation had uh, symbolically like a fig tree that had leaves but it wasn't fruitful right that's what we're to learn from this and he's illustrating that and so it's it's kind of like uh, he's cursing Israel in a way here too uh, so now turn over to Matthew 24 and here's a prophecy about uh, the return of Israel and the regathering of the nation of Israel. Look at Matthew 24 in verse 32 now. He says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And so uh, that's a good verse there, 35, for our Bible conference. We're, We're making God's words, and His words won't return void. They will not pass away. And uh, I think Bob was saying that uh, there's a little over 3,000 Spanish Bibles we're going to try to do and 1,000 English. So we got 4,000 plus Bibles to make this week. And uh, But what it's saying here, Jesus is, is saying that when you see the, the fig tree put forth his branch and leaves, you know that summer is nigh. And so uh, we, we believe that, uh, you know, uh, after World War II, Israel became a nation again, and and uh, in 1967 they got uh, control of Jerusalem. So, uh, and somebody pointed this out to me once. If you uh, if you uh, go to 1948, and uh, they became a nation. And then in uh, 1967, I was alive then, uh, they got Jerusalem. They pointed out to me that uh, this this is 19 years. And they also pointed out that this is 19 years. That... uh, when the, and this began the time of the Gentiles, and this was the rebuild. So we look at this like Israel's putting forth its leaves, and that's what Jesus is saying: is when you see the fig tree put forth its leaves, you know that there should be fruit on it. That summer is nigh, and uh, that uh, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. So uh, that that's a little bit. Uh, connected with what Jeremiah is saying because he does talk about the regathering together and so but let's go to this second section here on your handout 
and uh, be turning to Ezekiel chapter 9. We've got about 20 minutes. And it worked out good because today there's only 10 verses in Jeremiah 24. And so I thought this was a good week to split the time with Jim. But in Ezekiel 9, this is like my favorite chapter of Ezekiel. Because I I feel like Ezekiel... Hopefully this helps all of us kind of put our Bible together. But... uh, We, we know that Daniel Daniel was the prominent person that was taken captive to Babylon uh, in the first deportation, but Ezekiel was kind of the prominent person that was taken away second, and then Zedekiah was at the end. And so I, I want us to, I believe, I believe that Ezekiel 9, and, and I say this because I, I do believe it, I, I don't. I don't have all this put together, but I'm, I'm hopefully learning, and hopefully you'll learn with me here. But uh, Ezekiel 9, uh, Ezekiel is in Babylon when he's writing this, and he's he's thinking back to what had just happened in his own life, I think. <clears throat> so let's start at verse 1 of Ezekiel 9, and we're going to read the... Uh, The first seven verses here, I think. Because there's something I want to... And and so what what I believe this, I believe that this is a picture of... This is showing us what happened spiritually when the Babylonians came into Jerusalem. And here in verse 1, He cried also in mine ears with a loud voice, saying... uh, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth toward the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed with linen, with a rider's inkhorn by his side. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. So he... He's picturing uh, these men and the brazen altars, you know, right in front of the temple. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub, whereupon he was, to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the writer's inkhorn by his side, and said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for the abom- all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. And to the others he said, In mine hearing, Go ye after him through the city, and smite. Let not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women. But come not near any man whom, upon whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. And they began at the ancient men which were before the house. And he said unto them, Defile the house and fill the courts with the slain. Go ye forth. And they went forth and slew in the city. 
and uh, I, I believe what he's talking about is God is marking his people that are good. These are like the good figs. That, that's kind of where I'm going with this. He says, slay everybody that's the bad fig and ki- kill everyone, old and young, man or woman, child, but don't touch the ones that are good. And, and so there there are some, and uh, I guess I look at our church this way. I believe that our church, we, we, we yearn for our country right now, don't we? There's a lot of abominations going on even in our own country. And we are sighing and crying and praying and uh, we're, we're burdened that our, our country is kind of going the wrong way. And there's people here in Jerusalem like that. And God says, put a mark on them. Those are my good figs. But uh, go ahead and destroy the evil ones. And uh, I, I believe that Ezekiel was one of the good ones. And he wasn't destroyed, but he was taken. And that that's what I believe happens here is Babylon comes in and he... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, kills with the sword. Some die with famine. Some die with pestilence. And uh, does that make sense? Or anybody have any comments as we're talking about all that? But I, I believe Jeremiah is prophesying about what Ezekiel said uh, happened there, and I, I really like that. I I feel like God does mark His own, and. Um, so we need to be on the right side of that. So on your handout, your second section, their application of the good figs. There's three three deportations to Babylon, and that's what happens in verse four and five of Jeremiah 24. And uh, the, the the Ezekiel's what goes in your blank. Uh, we had Daniel was the first group, Ezekiel was the second group, and Zedekiah was the third. And uh, we 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 won't look at this today, but uh, so like seventy years later, they were in captivity for seventy years. So that would be what is that? Uh, is that seventeen? So five seventeen. Seventy years later, uh, Zerubbabel comes back. And uh, so there, there's three there's three groups of people that come back to Babylon, and who do you think is the next one there? I left you a blank. Who came after Zerubbabel? You remember Zerubbabel? He uh, laid the foundation of the temple. So the temple got destroyed right here. Was it Ezra or Nehemiah? It was Ezra. Yep. Is that what you said, Pat? Yep. So Ezra came back next, and then the last one was Nehemiah. And of course, uh, Ezra was the ready scribe, and he gave the people the law. and And then Nehemiah came in and built the walls around Jerusalem and fortified the city. And so, it's really a great example of of even our own lives. You know, the Lord has to build the temple. He he comes and dwells in us, and then we learn the Word of God, and then hopefully, discipleship. We fortify ourselves with the Word of God. And uh, and become strong in the Lord. So uh, let me let's all look at this uh, 
Second Corinthians verse. Uh, actually, we're here in Jeremiah 24. Somebody read for us verse 7 if they would. 24-7. And I will give them an heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their old heart. Right, so he, he's saying these good figs are going to go away. The bad ones are going to get destroyed by the Chaldeans. But he's saying that he is their God and he's going to give them a heart to know him. And they're going to return to me with their whole heart. Uh, and hold your place here and look at Second Corinthians. Even in our New Testament, it, it comments on the, the Jewish people. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Because, uh, you know, when we were in Israel, I felt like Jim did in Boston. I, man, the people are, uh, the Israelites uh, today, they don't want to hear about Jesus. And uh, they're very cold toward the Lord. But uh, here in Second Corinthians 3, uh, 13 through 16, uh, somebody else want to read that? Pat Lee, have you got 2 Corinthians three thirteen through 16? Sure. It says, And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end that which was which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. For until this day remained the same veil untaken away, untaken away in the reading of the, of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Amen. And that, so right now, the Jewish people, there's there's a veil on their heart, and it's untaken away. And, and that's why we read in Jeremiah that the Lord's going to call them back to the land. He's going to uh, they're they're not going to be blinded or veiled anymore, but right now their heart is veiled and they don't uh, see Christ, and uh, that I could testify that is true. Uh, I gave you a teaching point there on your in front of your handout, your last at the bottom. The veil is removed from our heart when we turn to the Lord, and He will build us and not pluck us up. And that's what he promised. The, the word build means to edify. He, that's, that's what we do in discipleship. That's what we're doing right now as we're studying the Word of God. He's hopefully building us up, and he, he won't uh, pluck us up like he did those bad figs. And even the good figs had to leave and go be purged and chastised. So uh, back to Jeremiah 24 one more time. And now we're going to focus on these uh, bad figs. Trying to think. I've got a couple more pictures of figs here. You know, Steve, it kind of bothers me that it says that these two baskets of figs were placed in front of the temple of the Lord. Who would take bad figs? Yeah. Offer to the Lord. Yeah. It's quite a contrast there, isn't it? Uh, Sometimes we offer the leftovers yeah. to God. 
yeah. Right, they, and they, they were to offer, uh, you know, animals without blemish and uh, to offer the, the meal and the, the blood sacrifices. So there's some dried fruit, Angie. Uh, that's That's got the seed in it. Uh, that looks a little different than the other that had been kind of had the center out. That's a good comment, uh, Pam. Pams, both of you. Yes, you have diverticulosis. Figs is one of the things you're not supposed to eat. Right. Because there's a million seeds in them. Ah. I think this is the last one. I just gave you one. That's how they look on the tree. Um, I'll leave that up there. Let's go back to Jeremiah 24. We've got uh, five or six minutes here. And uh, somebody read 8 through 10. Uh, Pam Anderson, you want to read 8 through 10 and finish this chapter? Sure. And as the evil things which cannot be eaten, they are so evil, surely thus saith the Lord. So I will give Zedekiah the king of Judah and his princes and the residue of Jerusalem that remain in this land that them that dwell in the land of Egypt, and I will deliver them to be removed unto all the kingdoms of the earth for their hurt, to be a reproach and a proverb, a taunt and a curse in all places where and I will send the sword, the famine, the pestilence among them, till they be consumed from off the land that I gave unto them and to their fathers. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And at the end of verse 8, it even mentions Egypt. And uh, we'll get into that because there were some people that were able to flee Jerusalem and they went to Egypt and it, it didn't go well for them either. And uh, but the good figs end up getting going to Babylon. They were preserved. And uh, but I, one of the things that uh, just as way of devotion, like you were saying, Pam, uh, having these bad fruits in front of the you know to bring as an offering the thing I noticed uh, there's just quite a contrast there's really no middle class here is there there's either the bad figs or the good figs and it it reminds us you know people are either saved or they're lost right Uh, it's it's one or the other and even in the New Testament, there's good and bad fruit mentioned in Matthew. There's wise and foolish virgins. There's bad and good fish in Matthew 13. And there's these two kinds of hearts. And so we, we want to have a, a good heart for the Lord. And uh, But th- this evil fruit is so evil they can't be eating. And it's actually cursed here. And it's uh, removed for their hurt. They're driven away. I gave you a blank there, just a reproach. It says that they're a reproach and a proverb. So the word reproach goes in your blank. And we talked about that last year. Even things things from our past, uh, you know, even talking about addiction... Uh, it's a reproach and so these are things of our past and we want to live for the Lord we want to change and and serve him and honor him and uh, the people here of Jerusalem 
uh, even the good figs were ter- carried away. It was a reproach to them because they'd been uh, involved in idolatry and false worship. And Pat, I know you talked about that last week, and thank you for filling in for me, the uh, idols of the heart. And uh, we, we, we end up watching you. We got to watch you on online. So, uh, no, I'm thinking of Friday night. I watched for your. Yeah, they didn't video last week, did we? <laughs> did you finish with. Did you do the idolatry of the heart last week? Okay. Yeah, we. we Jim wasn't here and. Uh, I didn't get Tom notified in time to, to, to video. So, anyway, do, I do thank you for filling in. Um, now, just at the end here, I, I gave you this is all from Wikipedia, except for one little uh, line there where I've got you another blank. Look at your teaching point on your handout now. There was a couple of good things I thought about this fig tree. The fig is the edible fruit of this something something small tree species in the mulberry family, and that, I didn't know that. Uh, the word mulberry is in our Bible, and I guess the fig tree is part of the. I, I liken it kind of like oak trees. There's several different kind of oak trees, or several different kind of pine trees, and so the fig tree is part of the family of the mulberry family. And I, I left you a blank here. This, uh, the sycamore tree is part of the fig family, and sycamores in our Bible too. I'll spell it here. I think you spelled it wrong. Well, it looks like I spelled it wrong, but that's how it is in the Bible. The dictionary spells it differently, but I think there's either an A or an O. But uh, the Bible has an O, so that's how I put it. And uh, what you know about the sycamore tree, that's where Zacchaeus climbed up. The wee little man, he climbed up in the sycamore tree to see the Lord. And so I I like that, that it was connected with the fig tree family. It's in that same family. So I thought uh, I'd include that here. And uh, here it says, your first little bullet point under the teaching point, it's native to the Mediterranean and Western Asia. It has been cultivated since ancient times. It is now widely grown throughout the world, both for its fruit and as an ornamental plant. The next bullet point says, fig plant is a small deciduous tree or large shrub growing 7 to 10 meters, which is 23 to... So it's middle-sized tree, maybe 33 feet tall, with smooth white bark. Its large leaves have three to five deep lobes. Its fruit, botanical, and in something, a type of multiple fruit, is a tear-shaped, three to five centimeters. It's one and a half to two inches long, with a green skin and may ripen toward purple or brown and sweet soft reddish flesh containing numerous crunchy seeds the milky sap of the green parts is an irritant to human skin and then it says in the northern hemisphere fresh figs are in season from late summer to early autumn and that clicked with me because that's what Jesus said he said when you see the fig leaves you know that summer is nigh right 
And so that's what it says here. These these figs come in season, late summer to early autumn. So like right now, right now we're in the middle of September. So it, figs would be in fruit in the northern hemisphere, and and Israel is uh, just barely north of the hemis of the equator. Uh, at 30, 33 degrees uh, latitude. And so it says they tolerate moderate seasonal frost and can be grown even in hot summer continental climates. Figs can be eaten fresh or dried or possessed into jam, rolls, biscuits, and other types of desserts. Since the fruit, since the ripe fruit does not transport and keep well, most commercial production is in dried and processed forms. Raw figs contain roughly 80% water and 20% carbohydrates with negligible protein, fat, and mis- or micronutrient content. They are a moderate source of dietary fiber. In 2018, world production of raw figs was 1.14 million tons, led by Turkey and North Africa countries, Egypt, Morocco, and Algeria as the largest producers, collectively accounting for 64% of the total. And then I gave you my little uh, source there. So anyway, uh, a lot about figs. Hopefully you got some Bible instruction there too. Any uh, thoughts or comments? I know we're just a couple minutes over. Thank you for joining us online. Uh, we're always appreciative. I miss you, uh, Sarah. Sarah Lewis had some time with her daughter Friday night. She was like a cheerleader and it was parent night or something. I didn't quite catch it all. So she, I don't know if that's what she's doing today or not, but... Any other comments or things as we close? Uh, Sharon, you said to pray for, is it our sister Sonia? So let's close by that. And uh, Lord willing, we'll look at uh, Jeremiah 25 next week. So, all right. Well, let's uh, pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just bow my head and I ask your blessing on our Bible conference this week, Lord, and many hands and uh, activity goes into this and help help there to be uh, fruit and fruit that remains from these scriptures. We know your word doesn't return void and it shall not pass away and uh, even the words themselves. So I pray for these Spanish and English Bibles we're making. I want to lift up my sister Sonia. She's uh, ill and in the hospital and Barry's uh, trying to take care of her and I just pray Lord for the doctors and nurses to diagnose her correctly and that she can be uh, made whole. Lord, we need her back here. We pray your blessing on her and comfort as she's uh, hurting. And Lord, uh, for our neighbor that just lost her husband, we lift up Cecilia to you. And Lord, if there's uh, any other unspoken needs, it, uh, thank you for the Bereans. I uh, pray your blessing on their class. And uh, Lord, just uh, use this church in a mighty way in these last days as we, like Jeremiah, we're just burdened for our country. And uh, help us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have one? You have brought one. <laughs>